Hello, everybody, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Dr. Kedar Prasad. Dr. Prasad got his Ph.D. degree in radiation biology from the University of Iowa. He is the former director of the Center for Vitamins and Cancer Research at the University of Colorado School of Medicine, and he's a fellow of the American College of Nutrition. He even served as president of the International Society of Nutrition and Cancer for about eight years. He has published over 200 articles in peer-reviewed journals, journals and authored or edited 15 books in the areas of radiation biology, nutrition and cancer, nutrition and neurological diseases, especially Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease. Today, Dr. Prasad is the chief scientific officer of the premier Myconutrient Corporation in the San Francisco Bay Area. Welcome, Dr. Prasad. Thank you very much, uh, Maria. It's, it's so nice to have you with us. And your book is very much in the minds of so many people who have cancer either immediately or in their family or amongst their friends. You wrote this book, Fighting Cancer with Vitamins and Antioxidants. You wrote this with your son. I take it uh, he is as passionate about this research as you are. That's right. That's correct. So um, what what made you um, focus on this area of antioxidants in the treatment of cancer? I have been working on this issue of antioxidant and cancer for the last 25 years. And I saw that uh, there is a lot of confusion both in the industry and among the professional uh, how to use antioxidant uh, for the health purpose and in the management of diseases. Furthermore, there are recent studies showing that even the uh, diagnostic doses of radiation can increase the risk of cancer uh, prompted me to revise the book, which this is a fourth uh, edition of the book. Mm-hmm. And I decided to uh, revise this book and include some of the recent studies that have been performed both on the cancer and in the antioxidant. And that's the reason. Another reason is that uh, the risk of cancer or incidence of cancer has increased during the last decades. Ten years ago, I used to quote that the new cases, incidence in the United States, is about 1.2 million per year. Mm -hmm. Most recent statistics shows that it has increased to 1.5 million new cases per year. The current recommendation for prevention is not working and because people don't follow or whatever the reason may be. And so we decided that uh, this is the best time also to bring attention again to use how to use this antioxidant for prevention of cancer as well as for the uh, management of uh, cancer during therapy. Mm-hmm. Well, you talk, we talk about the um, causes of cancer, uh, and you were, you were talking about sources of radiation, including diagnostic radiation. Uh, in your book, you also mentioned things like frequent flyers. Right. Um, and... Uh, most recent study shows that even the long-term use for longer period of uh, use of cell phone, which emits electromagnetic radiation, uh, has been shown to increase the risk of brain cancer. So 
these are the new emerging issue by new technology, and that's another concern that the cancer is increasing. These are the, one of the contributing factors for increasing the cancer incidence. And so you're saying that the use of antioxidants um, is essential, really, both as a protective measure, preventative measure, and as a treatment for people who have already had uh, radiation exposure, and then also as a an adjunct to uh, cancer treatments like chemotherapy and radiation therapy. Is that correct? I think that's very correct. Uh, take, for example, the current prevention strategy uh, recommended by National Cancer Institute or American Cancer Society are that quit smoking, which we all agree. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that the number of smokers, even though decreased in the adult, but increased in the teenager, and therefore the number of smokers of about 50 million remains same. So in spite of our best education program and all the things which is a very good thing, the number of smokers has not decreased. Mm. On the top of that, now people feel that even a passive smoking means if somebody is your friend and you are smoking before them or before the family member, you are smoking, the increase, there would be increased risk of cancer among those who are not a smoker but mm -hmm. happen to consume a smoker, inhale a smoking because their friend or family members were smoking. Right. And, the, and, and another, so, so we agreed that we should do every effort possible to convince people to quit smoking. And this is a good program which is going on, but mm -hmm. has not had much impact as yet. Another recommendation we shared with those, uh, the federal agency and, and American Cancer Society is that modifying your diet and lifestyle. And so that low fat, high fiber diet is very useful with plenty of fruits and vegetables. So these two are the main recommendations made by the National Cancer Institute and the American Cancer Society. What we say, which is as important as the two, first two, is that the appropriate type of uh, taking micronutrient daily, twice daily, can reduce the risk of cancer. But that preparation has to be age-specific, gender-specific, and health condition. In other words, one formula cannot fit to all. Mm -hmm. That's the place we differ from the National Cancer Institute because they are reluctant to recommend to the public, even though the task force uh, uh, the appointed by the United States government recommended that the, uh, the, the, the supplement antioxidant can reduce the, for example, in case of diabetes, uh, some of the complications which are related to diabetes. Not a general recommendation, but idea was that if you take uh, the uh, healthy, uh, uh, the right kind of micronutrient, it can decrease the risk of varieties of diseases, including cancer. And so we feel very strongly that all these three components are equally important, uh, quitting the smoking, taking the right kind of diet, modify your lifestyle, reduce the stress, and so on. But third component is as important, which is the supplement with the right kind of 
antioxidant preparation. It's interesting that you say that the task force, despite having made these recommendations, these recommendations have not been um, put out by the the uh, FDA or or uh, NIH. Um, I think there was just a report um, that I read within the last few days about the um, recommendations against the use of mercury in uh, in dental work. And all of the professionals, uh, all of the scientists have come out with this, you know, years ago, and the FDA is still dragging its feet in terms of saying that this is a toxic substance and should not be put in the mouth. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Mercury, I did some research while I was in Colorado uh, on the mercury toxicity, especially to the nervous system, is extremely toxic. I mean, methyl mercury, which is an organic form of methyl mercury, is extremely toxic. It can cause cognitive dysfunction and all kinds of neurological diseases. And interesting thing, at least the experimental data shows, and we have shown also and published this information, that some of the antioxidant can reduce the toxicity of the mercury in case somebody has a you know exposure to or somebody is uh, eating too much you know fish which is mercury contaminated and so mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And so in, in other words, this is one of the another environment pollution. Or you can say that, you know, in case of teeth, it's medical. So nowadays they don't put mercury, I was told, but still some people are still maybe doing it. Some people are still doing it. But it's interesting when you point out about the protective effect of the antioxidants. This, ironically, is also the basis for um, a lot of researchers saying that you should not use antioxidants together with cancer treatments because they protect the cancer cells just as much as they protect the, um, the, the, the healthy cells. Yeah, here is why there is a controversy. This is very important, Marian, that you brought up. First, even for prevention, why there is a, we will divide this discussion in two components. For the prevention, why there is a controversy even for prevention? Mm-hmm. And, and the, that official don't recommend it. And the reason are the following. The most of the clinical studies that have been performed to date that people quote against using the vitamin has been performed with a single antioxidant like beta carotene among the smokers or vitamin E among the high risk for heart disease. Mm-hmm. But here is the problem of that kind of trial. This is very well established that when you use a one antioxidant, and when they get oxidized, they act as a pro-oxidant rather than as an antioxidant. In other words, they become harmful, harmful molecule. So it is also known that heavy smoker, for example, they have very high level of free radical generated in their blood system. And they have a, so when you give the one antioxidant like beta carotene, then what will happen after some times, they will become oxidized because there is too much oxidative environment in, among the smokers. And when they get oxidized, they will act as a pro-oxidant and thereby increase the risk of chronic diseases. In this case, they were measuring in cancer. Hmm. So from the single antioxidant in that kind of population, you would have predicted that this will happen. And that is exactly what they found, that the cancer risk, lung cancer risk, increased by 17%. But 
But my problem with that kind of trial is that if you know in advance the biology of the antioxidant, namely it becomes oxidized, then it acted a pro-oxidant rather than as an antioxidant. And if you also know in advance that heavy smokers will have increased oxidative environment, then why you will do this experiment? So from that kind of trial that says you should not take beta-carotene in any forms, any place. In other words, all antioxidants under all conditions, you should not take it, which is totally irrational conclusion. Sure. You see what I mean? And so this yeah. is the main reason. And, and if the same antioxidant like vitamin uh, beta-carotene or vitamin E is present in a multiple antioxidant preparation, then they don't get oxidized because the other antioxidant will prevent the oxidation of beta-carotene or each other, and mm -hmm. therefore they will never become a pro-oxidant, and therefore we are suggesting it never use individual antioxidants for any regions, even normal people. Mm -hmm. Always use them in combination. Right, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And there are many other reasons for combination, but just so the clinical study confirms that don't take a single antioxidant. So if they would have said in a publication or in a, in a news media, then people should not take beta-carotene alone, I would have no argument with them. But when you extrapolate from a single antioxidant study in a heavy smoker, when you know what is going to happen, and you tell that you don't take multiple antioxidants at all, it's totally irrational. Mm. Yes, it's, it's actually quite wicked. Um, another uh, issue to raise is the treatment issue. Uh -huh. now, treatment issue, why there is a controversy? Like you mentioned, that oncologists fear because most of radiation and most of their chemotherapeutic agents cause damage to the cancer cell and normal cell by generating excessive amount of free radicals. Mm -hmm. So they fear since antioxidant neutralize free radicals, they will protect normal cell as well as cancer cell. Therefore, my treatment won't be very effective. Mm -hmm. Here is the, I know where they get this information from. If you use a low dose of single antioxidant in experimental model, they have shown it. We call it a preventive dose. So if you use a low preventive dose of single antioxidant in combination with radiation therapy or chemotherapy, they will protect both normal cell and cancer cell. However, if you use a therapeutic doses of antioxidants, either which, in which would be how many high, times as much? Many times as much, but non-toxic one. Many times, but very non-toxic one. Uh -huh. And I have discussed this issue in my book. Then they will kill first. If you use a therapeutic dose, they will kill cancer cells, but not the normal cell. Mm -hmm. They'll protect the normal cells and kill the cancer cells. That's right, exactly. They will protect. And we published this in a, in a cell culture study when I was in Colorado showing that the radiation-induced chromosomal damage can be actually enhanced in a cancer cell. But radiation-induced chromosomal damage in a normal cell will be reduced markedly. Mm -hmm. And this kind of a confusion that oncologists have, they have not been able to distinguish between the therapeutic dose and as well as the preventive dose. They think it is the same. And they also think, that's another reason of confusion, is that antioxidant 
protects both cancer cell and normal cell. They never see the data which has been published that antioxidant at therapeutic doses can kill cancer cells both in a tissue culture model and in the animal model, but not the normal cell. Well, as we know, as we know, many of the research programs are funded by the drug companies, and it's not really in their best interest to show the efficacy of something as cheap and available as antioxidants. Exactly, because they can't, you know, they they can't patent it. You know, this is exactly, yeah. And 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 this mindset of clinicians that we will use the same kind of clinical paradigm that they use for drug, like you drug one drug at a time. Well, you can't use one antioxidant in time because body has a multiple antioxidant. So you can't use the drug model of experiment on a micronutrient when you are trying to affect the disease, which are multifactorial. You can't just, you know, a good example I will give you that, for example, right now, uh, the uh, medication for, say, Alzheimer's mm-hmm. or diabetes, they only control the effects. For example, take diabetes. All the diabetic drug right now just controls the glucose, and therefore the complication although slows down, but eventually that develops it. And we know now why complication develop. Complication develop because of increased production of free radicals in the body. Mm-hmm. So none of these drugs takes into account for reducing the free radicals damage to the system. Therefore, it develops slowly, but eventually all, most of the diabetic patient related, uh, develop diabetic related complications. So we are suggesting whether any kind of disease, if you use antioxidant, then you will prevent the damage produced by free radicals. At the same time, if you are using a glucose controlling drug, you may require very little amount of drug to control the glucose level. So combination will give you a much better and reduce the risk of a, a diabetes-related complications. Same thing is true with cancer. Mm-hmm. That, for example, in a cancer treatment right now, uh, so we suggest that for cancer treatment that you use a therapeutic dose and you, you use a five to seven days before you start the therapy so that you start killing the normal cell, but not, um, start killing the cancer cell, but not the normal cell. And then come your radiation and our chemotherapy. Now you continue to give this uh, uh, high dose uh, uh, um, antioxidant therapy, then you will have a double sword to kill the cancer cell, but not mm-hmm. the normal cell. So again, I have discussed this issue in detail in my book, but, and if they do that, then there is no problem. There should not be, there should be very benefit and many patients who, who, without telling their oncologist, use them, yes. they, they get benefit. Because they're not stupid. <laughs> if you've just joined us, you're listening to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and we're speaking with Dr. Kedar Prasad, discussing his book, Fighting Cancer with Vitamins and Antioxidants. Well, now, you know, there seems to be a kind of... Uh, 
fundamental fallacy or, or almost catch-22 when we talk about scientific research, uh, you know, double-blind, controlled scientific research, which is the gold standard, where you look at a limited number of variables so that you can actually understand that this has a particular effect. The problem is we're talking about natural systems, and in a natural system, you don't have um, this single-pointed variability. So yeah, how, how do you even attach uh, attack it? That, that's a very good point. This has been very consistent uh, point, uh, official point. Well, if you want to know the mechanism, but we can run a double-blind placebo trial, and we are suggesting that we use the micro, multiple macronutrient preparation containing both dietary type of antioxidant and endogenous. But here, here, is, the, here is the problem. When they apply, when they do a laboratory experiment, laboratory experiment consistently has shown that if you if use a single antioxidant in a tissue culture model or in the animal model, and use a chemical-induced cancer or radiation-induced cancer, they always decrease to a certain degree. So... Uh, can you say that again? It always what? They always decrease the incidence uh -huh. to a certain degree. Right. But in human, because in the, the rat eats one kind of food, they don't have increase, they don't smoke, they don't, you know, <laughs> don't have an internal in, uh, increased amount of uh, antioxidant, they also make their own vitamin C, as you know, among all mammals. Only guinea pig does not make vitamin C like human. Hmm. The rest of the animal model in which they have studied, they make their own vitamin C. So that creates another problem in the animal model. But anyway, but, but when you go to human, you have to consider many variables that are not present in the animal system, animal body. And therefore, you have to adjust your system as, as, it, as needed. For example, in a, in a human, the antioxidant, different antioxidants are distributed differently in the organs, even within the cells. Vitamin C is present in a water-soluble, the vitamin E and lipid-soluble antioxidants are present in the lipid environment. Um, mitochondria has higher level of coenzyme Q10. In other words, even within the cell, their level of distribution is different, and they perform different functions. Mm -hmm. Glutathione is another very important antioxidant for protective reasons. And the, how you expect that just giving you one vitamin E can take care of all the issues that might be damaged, it is not possible. Not only that, the, the, another, another good example would be that natural versus synthetic. And there has been experimental evidence that if you use a natural form of beta-keratin or natural form of vitamin E, Mm -hmm. Body picks up preferentially natural form over synthetic form. So well, I've also heard that the synthetic form actually does not have the same efficacy, and yet it takes up the receptor sites. Exactly, but but then even though that's knowing this kind of experimental fact, the clinical study is performed by synthetic beta carotene mm -hmm. has been performed with most of them, not all, most of them with synthetic vitamin E, and right there. Uh, you have a problem of efficacy. So, so not only the single versus multiple antioxidant, but also the uh, the problem natural is in the natural synthetic. Yeah.
problematic yeah. one. So there's all kind of issues that are involved, and we are raising this kind of issue in a, in, in a, in a published form, but looks like people are not paying attention because they say that if you use a multiple antioxidant in human, we don't know which vitamin is working what. Well, my argument is that if you want to know the mechanism, then you go on an animal model system and, and the tissue culture simpler system, even in bacteria system, you can understand all the genetics of that study. And I will give one example that recently did genetics. And the reason that is important from a mechanistic point of view, but you, you go human to affect the disease, not to find the mechanism. For mechanism, you have an animal model, more, more simpler is a cell culture model, and a still simpler is the bacteria model. And one time, a, a French Nobel laureate, Dr. Menard, said, when he was addressing the Nobel Prize meeting, that what we find, what we find in the bacteria is also true for the elephant on a cellular basis. <laughs> and he was making a you know, contrasting experiment. You know, there are some differences, but I mean, basically, if you want to study the genetics model, that is the that may be the truth. So we have studied one from a prevention point of view uh, on a fruit fly. You know fruit fly, many? Yes, Drosophila melanogaster. Yes, Drosophila melanogaster. I never did a study on that, but a colleague of mine I met, a fellow Indian, Dr. Sharmila. She's the chief of the biology research in NASA at Ames in California, close by. So we drove there and tried to work out a study with her. And she has excellent model of fruit fly where she has inserted a cancer gene by genetic engineering. Sometimes in humans we have a random that some people have a genetic disease. But in this case, she genetically engineered a female fruit fly which developed cancer, very high risk of developing cancer because they put the gene there. But when they gave radiation, the incidence of cancer was much higher, like over 85%. So I told her, that you know, you use, uh, we have developed a multiple antioxidant preparation for animal study. And I said, why don't you use our preparations if you can decrease uh, the cancer risk? Because this is the genetic basis of the cancer, not the environmental. You have put a gene there and you develop cancer. Mm -hmm. Again, very simple model, but has, a, has an enormous implication. And so she said, yeah, sure, we will do the experiment. So we did a pilot study and we found that if you feed the uh, fruit fly, this genetically engineered fruit fly, our multiple antioxidant preparation is through the diet before radiation, seven days before radiation, and continue seven days after when they terminate the experiment. The radiation-induced cancer was totally blocked. Totally, 100%. Totally blocked. Wow. And she showed me the curve. And uh, we have not published this information as yet, but the point is that sometimes we feel that we can't do anything if people have, we can't extrapolate, you have to, I want to emphasize, from fruit fly to human. But this is the first demonstration to my knowledge that the genetic basis of disease in any organism can be modified, can be prevented, can be delayed. So well, that that is truly, uh, truly mind-blowing work. But, you know, so much 
work has been done on this. I mean, here I'm from Oregon, and we have Dr. Linus Pauling was um, our homeboy, and. He, he wrote on cancer and vitamin C in 1979, and then I, I found a research paper in the early 90s that he published with Abraham Hoffer, who right. were recommending exactly the kind of multi-antioxidant regimen plus v, B vitamins that you recommended. They even quote your research in right. it. Now, why hasn't this research? This is this is early. This is at least ten years ago. This is mind, you know, really effective work. Why hasn't it been given more prominence? I think this is a this is a push by the establishment uh, to prevent the growth of this field. This is just my personal opinion, and this has been historically, this has been the case, because I remember reading. in the book that the uh, the French settler, French uh, sailors used to come and develop a, uh, a skin disease at that time we didn't know it is a scurvy mm-hmm. and one time he landed in Canada and was treated by the native Indian at that in 1600th century or 1500th century mm-hmm. and they treated by a uh, extract of a spruce tree extremely rich in vitamin C but at that time they didn't know but mm-hmm. just giving the extract, uh, the, the, the sailor was cured. So he was very excited, and he went, went back to France and wanted to introduce this thing to all the sailors. But establishment in France said, no, you brought this treatment from savages in Canada. We don't allow those kind of treatment. <laughs> so the discovery of the treatment for scurvy was delayed for three, 400 years. I hope this is not the case in our situation, but... I'm just giving you an example how the establishment pushes back any new ideas. Uh, even Linus Pauling, when he proposed the first idea of a protein structure of helix, uh, then it took about 30 years before somebody confirmed it. Mm-hmm. Chemists at that time, time, at that time thought, like they think now, uh, for me or for any other people, that is crazy. Uh, who was it who said, uh, with new ideas, first everyone opposes it, then yes. they make fun of it, and then they accept it as obvious? Exactly. That's 100% true. So if my idea, anytime, this is the way I've done all my research. If my research idea is not criticized severely by reviewer, then it is not good research. <laughs> Kedar, you, you have some specific recommendations about... Um, protection before an incident we had when we had the nuclear accident in japan particularly people on the west coast were very concerned not to mention in in japan about radioactive fallout um and they they rushed to buy potassium iodide pills is this effective in reducing radiation damage or should they have been doing a whole range of antioxidants yeah, I think that's a very good question, Mariam. I think this is, again, when the people get afraid, they, they grab anything they can get hold of. Potassium iodide, when you have a, either nuclear fallout you know, during weapon testing or in case of Fukushima, Japan, uh, island uh, accident, the iodine is one of the three uh, that is released, iodine, radioactive iodine. Mm-hmm. The characteristic of radioiodine is that is selectively accumulating the thyroid. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and it caused thyroid damage. 
But if you take a potassium iodide before you are exposed to radioactive iodine, then potassium iodide will saturate your thyroid and radioactive iodine will not get in your thyroid. Mm -hmm. But then radioactive iodine will go someplace to at least a certain amount will accumulate and will cause other damage. Mm -hmm. And so, but problem with the iodide is the following. You have to take at least maximum two hours. The best result would be to take five minutes, 10 minutes before exposure, but nobody's prepared to. Mm -hmm. But if you take it as late as two hours, then you will have some benefit. Because if you delay it, then by the time iodine will get in and then it will cause damage. That's mm -hmm. so, iodide is affected only if you take it shortly before you get exposed to radioactive iodide. After that, once it gets into your system, potassium iodide has no value. Mm -hmm. You cannot take potassium iodide, say for example, if you go for diagnostic radiation where they don't use uh, radioactive iodine. But the other two most important, uh, the, which have a long-term health effect, is uh, plus iodine, uh, the, the radioactive uh, potassium iodide does not protect other organs against the radiation damage. It is only protect the thyroid. Mm -hmm. so, so you need a, another kind of antioxidant preparation uh, like we have suggested in the book. But the two more isotope, radioactive isotopes that are released in the Fukushima island was, was strontium-90, uh, radioactive strontium, and radioactive cesium. And their half-life is over 30 years. Oh, my. Yeah, the both of them are over 30 years. And so they will attain the oil and the milk and every place else for a long time to come. And I recently I read that they are detecting cesium in the milk. Uh, in the uh, 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 Fukushima Island area, and the, the children are getting that kind of milk. And, and so what is the effect on the body? Body, it is a gamma meter. It means in a gamma radiation is a meter. It is very dangerous. Uh, it can increase the risk of all kind of diseases in children, especially in the children or in adult cancer. Mostly the cancer risk. Mm -hmm. And the, and the, and actually, uh, this kind of experiment was done uh, in the children. With the uh, Ukraine, you know, the in, in after Russia, Chernobyl, yeah, Chernobyl accident area, Ukraine. There was a study again; it is published, but no, looks like nobody pays attention to that. The children were exposed to so, but the, in the Chernobyl area, background is higher than away from Chernobyl, and the families are living there. Children are living playing. Mm -hmm. They're higher than the other area, but they are not as hard that will kill you. So presumably uh, an act, a, a high antioxidant and vitamin uh, regimen would be critical to... Yes. Indeed, it was critical because mm -hmm. a scientist, group of scientists went there and found that children who were living uh, in the Chernobyl area had a much higher level of damage produced by free radicals type of damage in their blood in comparison to the children who were living away from Chernobyl. And when they put on an antioxidant, a combination of vitamin C and E in this case, they found that the dose damage was markedly reduced in children who were living in a Chernobyl accidental mm -hmm. area. So and even though they, they did only one month because they didn't have enough resources to continue mm -hmm. for time. But the fact that they can decrease it, that means the risk of the disease will decrease it. So I would suggest that anybody who are living in a 
Fukushima Island or anybody who had a fear that the uh, might be exposed to uh, radiation, and then they should take the antioxidant preparations, like I suggested in the book. And, and, and radioactive iodine half-life is only eight days. So after a few months, iodine-131 will not be a risk factor. You see what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah, I see. But what, what about uh, people who are undergoing radiation therapy? What yeah. are your recommendations there? My radiation therapy is, like I have said in the book, that you start the uh, therapeutic doses of multiple antioxidant preparation and seven days before giving radiation or chemotherapy and continue throughout the, uh, throughout the treatment period. And after that, after you're completing therapy, then you switch on to another uh, preparation which is made for cancer prevention, and then you continue throughout your lifetime. Right. Now, you talk about uh, antioxidants. Uh, we've talked about vitamin E and vitamin C, but you, you talk about more. You talk about beta-carotene, selenium, zinc, and so on. And, and you recommend them in different combinations for different situations. So really, we can't go into them here, but if you want to learn more about this, um, get Dr. Kedar's uh, book. Um, do you, do you have this information on your website as well? I think they, 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 they could have the website this information, uh, but they are not uh, marketing the product as yet. But uh, but they have the formulations and they can provide information when people call that, and they, and they, and so so the best thing would be to go to the website and they, and they ask them the uh, you know. Telephone and yeah, I, I think we, we need to tell our listeners that you actually left academia to set up a company that makes these micronutrient preparations. That's tell I, tell us about that. Yeah. yeah. And they are marketing it, and, they, and yes, that's company, because then I have a lot of freedom to, to, to talk about it and uh, to, to know. And what's whatever. the name of your company? Premier Micronutrient Corporation. And your website is? My, www.mypmcinside, all one word, mypmcinside.com. Mypmcinside.com, okay. And um, there you actually sell different formulas, different uh, nutritional formulas for um, different situations. You know, as much as I believe in nutritional supplementations, one of the things that I really take exception to <clears throat> is that people do not talk about diet. Uh, I've, except that I've seen a lot of books coming out recently and spoken to a lot of authors who are talking about the, the vital importance of getting your nutrition as much as possible from food because they have many, many cofactors that it, it, it's a bit like as above, so below. You can't get all of the different cofactors into a pill. Yeah, that's why I said that these are three equally important. You can't ignore one and expect the best results. Mm -hmm. Smoking diet that you are talking about it as well as the supplement the three are equally in my opinion important and if you emphasize only one not the other you are not doing the justice mm -hmm. 
and, and you know, his diet is also important. Lifestyle is important. As stress, now we know stress is, can, in, can increase all kind of risk factor, and therefore we have book recommended in the book, and uh, and uh, and book. Uh, you know, book can be bought with Amazon.com. You know. Sure. And and we have a link to it on our website as well. Now, you know, we talk about reducing stress, but the mechanism in stress is elevated cortisol, and that leads to, da-da, free radicals. Exactly, all all kind of issues. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have suggested that you do any form. You take vacation, meditation, yoga, any way you can relax it. That's Mm -hmm. very important as far as the lifestyle is concerned. Mm -hmm. And... uh, and also that avoid excess of any anything like excess of alcohol, excess of caffeine. Some caffeine is important, but not excess. And uh, and uh, you know, so so these, these kind of uh, almost like a holistic approach uh, uh, is quite important to, to see that. Well, you know, you're you're talking to the wrong person to say almost a holistic approach. I think a holistic approach is absolutely critical, central, and vital. Yeah, and I know these three things, everything, it looks like it's holistic because we're recommending everything, you know, uh, that holistic uh, medicine recommends. Mm-hmm. And so our approach is holistic in a, in a way, but sometimes people might say that it is not holistic, but in my opinion, it is holistic. Well, it, it's certainly a matter of degree. I, I think always of the parable of the blind men and the elephant. We are all kind of groping our way towards putting together pieces of the puzzle. And some people are more helpful than others, as your work is. It's it's more helpful in getting a more balanced view of yeah. the, 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 the um, efficacious treatments. Exactly. Um, but uh, we, we, we need to really take ourselves back to a view of how we were created in the first place. We were created as a balanced system, exquisitely balanced system. And, and all of our lifestyle choices throw us out of this balance. And then we try to put ourselves back into balance with a Band-Aid here and a crutch there. Right, right. Another example I will give you is very interesting. Recently, we have obtained some data, not I, but some other colleague of mine. Uh, I was talking about the diagnostic radiation procedures. In in 2008, in this country, over 60 million CT scans alone was performed, over 60 million CT scans. And it does not include chest X-ray, dental X-ray, nuclear medicine, and so 60 million just CT scan. And it has been estimated that one CT scan, one time, delivered enough radiation to increase the risk of cancer one in per thousand people scanned. So if you consider it 60 million, you have an increased risk of cancer by 60,000 just by CT alone. And so with that kind of a factor, and that is controversy on this issue, but, you know, I believe that this is a, at least there's a risk there. Yeah, well, to take that one step further, and I'm not sure if I read it in your book or where, but they also found that the elevated exposure to radiation caused two deaths per thousand. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a variation I get kind of average. There is a variation, yeah, that some people have said it is more than that. But here is the good news. Good news is that the 
the colleague of ours in Germany, uh, the or Netherlands, uh, is is a, did the experiment. We have produced a formula called BioShield R1, name of the, the patented formulation, but which has a mixture of antioxidant, no vitamin B, just antioxidant. Uh -huh. And they, and they, we suggest that if you take it before CT scan, if you take a one dose before, it will markedly reduce radiation damage. So first there was a controversy, does CT scan, they have very little amount of radiation, they produce any damage in human. Mm -hmm. So this fellow measured the damage to the DNA, and they found that if the patient gets the radiation, CT scan, you take out their blood and measure the damage in vitro in a cell culture model, you see a lot of DNA damage. Uh -huh. And he put the patient with Bauschild R1 for different times, as, 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 as long as one hour before, 30 minutes before CT scan. And then, then after that, give a patient, and then take their lymphocyte, take their blood, and then give the same amount of radiation that patient would have got in a CT scan, mm -hmm. and they found that it was markedly protected. DNA damage was markedly protected. Mm -hmm. This paper is going to be published in a radiology journal um, sometimes in the, in the next nine months. But the point is, this is the first demonstra demonstration that a CT scan radiation can do the damage, and that damage can be prevented by the antioxidant, which we develop a formulation for. And if you take only one time before it. So the question is, you can argue about there that maybe one risk, one per cases, two per cases, and no radiologists think there are no risks. But there is a risk. Anytime you have radiation, there's a risk. Yeah, of course. Very and what about, what about mammography? What do you think about that? Mammography has the same risk. Mammography has also radiations, and there is a debate, as you know, between case of mammography. And, uh, and in that debate, they did not consider radiation damage. But mammography can increase the risk of breast cancer. And, they, and, they, and so uh, I believe that even if you are going to take any kind of diagnostic procedure, mammography or uh, CT scan or for cardiac region, nuclear medicine, any, you take the multiple antioxidant, it will protect you. No question now, we have a data to show that. Mm -hmm. So, well, so this, that, this, that's truly, truly important. I hope our listeners are paying attention. Yeah, it, yeah. It, and it is very cost-effective. I mean, you, know, you make a few dollars, so it is not very costly. And, 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 and this can, again, give you a, a, a comfort that is going to do. This has been shown to be the case, and then, then, then you, you don't worry about it. Even a dental x-ray, mm -hmm. well, you get a small amount of dental x-ray, there is no effect. But if you take the tissue right after dental x-ray, and some people have published this information, you see a lot of a cellular damage, a lot of breaking of the cell nucleus. And, uh, and we have not done the experiment uh, whether they will reduce it, but the qu question is that any form of diag no, diagnostic radiation uh, have it, some risk associated with of it. Of course, of course. And, and if you can reduce any time, then you reduce it without any toxicity, without any cost effective, you know, without any significant cost. You do it. Hmm. And what do you take for yourself? What do you think are the most important yeah, protective I, I, agents? Myself, for, a, for my age, uh, which is a 50 plus, I'm more than that, but, you know, after 50 was, the system becomes saturated. So I take a, uh, what they call a bio armor uh, 50 plus. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so that I take every day. Uh, also, I take some um, uh, 
they have a lot of antioxidant uh, coenzyme Q10, but I take some additional coenzyme Q10 because it is very costly, and if you put in a multiple vitamin preparation, the amount it is needed, it becomes cost-effective, not cost-effective. And mm-hmm. I don't know whether putting extra do any further good, but mm-hmm. that's all I take. Mm-hmm. CoQ10 and, and a multi... Multi-vitamin bio-armor. Bio-armor. Uh-huh. And that you have on your website. Uh, yes, yes. They're all, they are all being sold. They can order the product, uh-huh. things like that. Well, yes. my goodness, uh, our time has flown by, and, and uh, we have been speaking with Dr. Kedar Prasad about his book, Fighting Cancer with Vitamins and Antioxidants, and you can connect with him through his website, mypcpmc, mypmcinside.com. And uh, next week, our guest will be Barbara Berger, and we'll be talking about her new book, the Awakening Human Being, a practical guide to the awakening consciousness that is emerging on planet Earth and how to use the incredible power of the mind wisely. So, Kedar, Dr. Kedar Prasad, thank you so much for joining us today. And I wish you much uh, success in penetrating the medical establishment with your important work. I thank you, Marianne, for your time and efforts for giving me this opportunity. Goodbye. Bye-bye. And now it's time for our track of the week with music selected by Scott Johnson from among members of the Positive Music Association. They have styles ranging from pop and rock to folk and jazz, and this growing group of musicians is using music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. This week we're featuring a song called If I Were Brave, I'd Be Creative by Jana Stanfield. could not fail If I believed would the wind always fill up my sail How far would I go What could I achieve Trusting the hero in me If I were brave I'd walk the razor's edge where fools and dreamers dare to tread and never lose faith, even when losing my way. What step would I take today if I were What we secretly dream What would you ask if you knew You could have anything 
Like the mighty oak sleeps in the heart of a seed Are there miracles in you and me? If I were brave, I'd walk the razor's edge Where fools and dreamers dare to tread And never lose faith Even when losing my way What step would I take today If I were brave? If I were brave, I'd walk the razor's edge Where fools and dreamers dare to tread And never lose faith Even when losing my way What step would I take today If I were was Jana Stanfield singing, If I Were Brave, I'd Be Creative. Jana's a humorist, songwriter, and educator, and combines laughter, wisdom, and her million-selling songs into an interactive experience that generates fun and positive action. Known as the queen of heavy mental, Jana describes her music as psychotherapy you can dance to. You can visit her website at janastanfield.com. That's J-A-N-A-S-T-A-N-F-I-E-L-D.com. To discover more great music or to join the PMA, go to positivemusicassociation.com. Well, that wraps up our show for today. Until next week, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.